For our scripture reading this morning, I invite you to turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. This comes after the great contest on Mount Carmel where Elijah with the prophets of Baal faced this contest of fire. And there had been great drought in the land, except by the prophet's word, it would neither, there'd be neither rain nor dew. And the drought ends with this victory as Elijah lifts up his voice in prayer. It all seems to be going as planned, hopeful. And then we hit chapter 19, and we read these words. 1 Kings 19, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, to let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. And he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough now, Lord, take my life. I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he took, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water, so he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went into the strength of that food forty days and forty nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave. And spent the night in that place, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. And he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore in the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave, and suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. And the Lord said to him, Go, return to your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, 
of Abel, Mahola, you shall anoint his prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. So he departed from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12. And then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him, took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment, gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he arose and followed Elijah and served him. Thus far, our reading from God's holy word. May he bless that word to us. A passage about Elijah and his discouragement on a baptism morning. That's right. Exactly. Because we're a discouraged people so often... If the political winds don't blow the way we would like them to blow, oh, life is going to come apart. We're done for. It's over. Because God's weak and puny and small, and he doesn't know what's happening, and he can't do anything. Is that what we think? That he's lost control? And we're at our wit's end, and it's all a flunk and a fail if we can't get our way? Really? That's how life has to tumble out for life to tumble out right? And we witness a baptism this morning that tells you from the very beginning, you don't wash what isn't dirty, but you do wash what is. And even our children need to be washed in the blood of Jesus. We need help from the start. We don't have to wait till we're 10 or 12 or 14 and then, oh, maybe we're sinners now and maybe need some Jesus. No. We're already tainted from the start, selfish from the start, needy from the start, need new birth from the start. You see, it's all a wreck to start with. And political solutions are sort of just big bandages, braces to kind of help us press along in our brokenness. What we really need is rebirth, washing. We need what baptism points us to. We need the blood of Jesus. We need the Lord King of the church to build it and protect it and see us forward. Elijah needed to understand this a bit better too because he got his political way, didn't he, on Mount Carmel. We won. They're dead. We're doing it, man. It's going great now. 
Isn't this how it's supposed to be? Until it's not. And it wasn't. And little spineless Ahab comes home to his wife. And Jezebel, and what happened there, Ahab? Well, their God's such a big God, and they killed the Baal prophets, and oh, we're at our wit's end, oh my. And Jezebel, who has spine, sinful spine, but has spine, oh yeah? Well, get a messenger. News for Elijah. News for kingdom of God and his cause. That prophet will be dead, either me or him, by this time tomorrow. How about that? Send the word. You might be impressed, Ahab. I'm not. So take that. And Ahab, I guess his eyes must have been as big as saucers, but by the time Elijah gets the message, his eyes are big as saucers. And he runs for his life. After Mount Carmel, because a messenger of the seed of the serpent said, I'm here to crush the head of the seed of the woman. Take that. What we find is faltering faith meet the God of unfaltering faithfulness. Baptism points us to that always. Your faith falters. Don't you know what your baptism means, man? Does God really love, don't you, does God really love me? Don't you know what your baptism means? Have I sinned beyond recovery? Don't you know what it means that God washes you with the water that points you to the washing in the blood of Jesus? Does your faith falter? Look to the God of unfaltering faithfulness. Now, the first thing we see here is that God's faithfulness encounters hard-heartedness. We've talked about that already a little bit. Jezebel's hard-hearted. She doesn't cower in fear. She doesn't cry uncle. We've had a setback. The prophets of Baal have been destroyed and, and, and killed and so forth. But her reply is, well, back at you then. Uh, let, it be, let the gods do to me more also if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by tomorrow this time. And Elijah flees in the face of this faithlessness, this, this hard-heartedness, this, this, this resoluteness in wayward doing. In fact, he, he runs from the north part of Judah. He runs all the way to the south part, drops off his servant, and then keeps going out into the wilderness. He leaves promised land. I retire. They're trying to kill me, man. All because the seed of the serpent is after the seed of the woman and his faith 
wobbles. It's often like this, though. We, we want one, you know, it, it, I guess it'd be like two fighters in a match, and finally one of them lands a real big blow and staggers the other one. And now, well, now you're just supposed to crumple and fall down and be dispirited and give up. But fighters with heart just dig in and become more resolute. Oh, yeah? Or any sports team. Man, we're down by 20. It's all, I'm deflated. Let's quit. I guess that's what Elijah thought. They're deflated. Now they should quit. But instead, unbelief pumps itself up and says, no, you quit. And Elijah does. Do we? Let me point you to one who didn't. To a poor Elijah, I'm the only one left. I can point you to one and... It's that water that points to his blood who was the only one left, left all alone and didn't quit. The one who learned to pray, not my will, but thy, thine, thine, your will, O Lord, be done. That one. The one who, dying on a cross, still lifts up prayers to forgive their sins, therefore they not... They know not what they do. That one. Elijah faces this woman who suppresses the miraculous truth of Mount Carmel and unrighteousness, and he doesn't know what to do next. He shows faltering faith. And I sometimes fear that the church needs uh, whatever happens come election day and the political future of our land and whatever might be protests and violence and, and whatever might come forth. It does call us to get on our knees. It does call us not to presume that we deserve something as a nation that we don't deserve. It does call us to say that the battle of at least the Christian church vis-a-vis any culture in any nation is a war between seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. It does call us not to wrap Jesus in a flag, but to wrap ourselves in him. And it calls us to see that what we have is under the sovereign care of the God who reigns on high. And yes, God can punish peoples and nation and even chastise his church to learn to trust him alone. And do you trust me at all? Does your faith falter so easily? Does your baptism mean nothing? You don't see how I've marked you as my own? It's all very practical and relevant. Well, what happens from this? We're told not only is God faithful as he encounters this this hard-heartedness, God's faithful as he confronts this hopeless resignation of his own prophet, right? 
when he gets word that, man, they're at, she's after me, he, I'm heading out of town. He flees south, drops off the servant further south, and then he's demoralized and physically depleted and spent. He flees as far as he can before he's exhausted. And then that's when God comes to him, right? Laid his hand under him as he slept under a broom tree. And the angel says, rise and eat. And there's a cake baked for him and a jar of water. And he's so famished, he eats. He's back to sleep. He's utterly, utterly broken. Arise, eat. The journey's too great for you. He arises, he eats, he drinks. And now, almost like miraculous bread, miraculous water, he travels 40 days and 40 nights to the mountain of God, to Horeb, to Sinai. Do you notice there's a kind of reversal of the exodus going on here? That where God had journeyed his people and brought them to the mountain and given his will, and they embarked upon kingdom come, where seed of woman is sent forth amidst the seed of the serpents, and he enables a conquest to go forward, a compromised conquest, and that's why they're in this predicament right now. But with the word of God, the word of Elijah, fleeing promised land, the word of God departs promised land, and what else departs? The prophetic message, the prophet himself resigns from office. He undoes the exodus and flees back. He unbaptizes himself almost. It's all useless. It's all a flunk. It's all a fail. God can't do it. I'm the only one left. I'm the only one good. I'm the only one faithful. Your people are unfaithful. There's the, his charge, right? All the people are unfaithful, and, and, and they've broken down your altars, and, 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 and they don't love you, and, 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 and it's all useless, it's all hopeless. Talk about faltering faith. They want to take my life. Uh, Elijah, why don't you go stand out on the mountain before the Lord? God has something to say to you. You need to hear something. So do we. Jesus could have stood there and said, because it was true, I'm the only one left. They have left me. Broken down the altar, they've made me the altar. They've hung me up there. Try to take my life, they will. But Jesus doesn't pray a prayer of pity, self-pity. He doesn't have a pity party like Elijah does here. 
I'm not making light of what Elijah went through. Have you ever suffered for the faith such they're trying to kill you? I think not. Perhaps you've lost some business. Perhaps people have called you names. Perhaps they've said, what church do you go to? They roll their eyeballs. Oh, the pain of it. Oh, your suffering for Jesus is so deep. Oh, my. <laughs> they're not trying to kill you. But there's Christians who they try to kill. Our faith falters so easily if we can't get the comfortable life we're used to and want. Is that what it's really all about? Lord, just give us a nice, good, American, comfortable life, and then we can die and go to heaven. Well, what if he doesn't call us to that kind of life? There's a lot of Christians, he doesn't even begin to give that kind of life, but they're his children. Jesus bled for them. They're marked with baptism. They have the Jesus jersey around them. They're mine. Elijah, you need to hear something. You need to learn some stuff. You go out to the mountain where the law came, Elijah. Stand before the Lord. God, what did he do? He passed by. Great, strong wind tore into the mountain, broke the rocks. It's frightening. Wow! It's a wow kind of thing. Violent storm, crashing, crunching rocks. Guess what, Elijah? I'm not there. Impressed? Strong arm? God can do it? I'm not there. You're looking in the wrong place. Because see, God's only busy when it's a strong, flexed arm and heads roll. Wrong. What about wind? Then came a big wind. And after the wind came a big earthquake. Earthquake. Wow, run for your life. Get out of a cave. You know, I'm frightened. Impressed? God's not in the earthquake. Fire. The hell judgment of fire consumes and devours fire. Yeah, there's God at work. Now, Elijah, I'm not in the fire. It's not how I will make my kingdom come. It's not with that big flexed arm of crashing rocks and earthquakes, wind and fire. No, nope, it's not there. After that came a small voice. A, a silent whisper wind. A whisper. That's where God was. Well, whispers are weak, right? Whispers are small. When, when the whisper, they're being kind of private and scaredy cat, right? That's where God was. 
What are you doing here, Elijah? Exodus is that way. Not this way. What are you doing here, Elijah? He wraps his face in his mantle, goes out, stood in the entrance. What are you doing here, Elijah? I've been faithful. I've been zealous. I've been it. I'm the only one. The people are unfaithful. They break down the altars. This is hard stuff. They're out to kill me. I resign. You're A-W-O-L, Elijah. You're absent without leave. You have a commission and a duty, even when it's hard, and even if it would mean your life. What are you doing here, Elijah? Go. Return to your way to the wilderness of Damascus. He's way, 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 way down there, and he's going to go all the way up through back up through Judah and all the way up through Israel, and he's going to go up to Damascus. To a what king? Syria? What is God doing? What? I want you to go kill some bell prophets. No. It's not a powerful wind that breaks rocks. I want you to go, oh, it's not an earthquake I want you to perform on the enemy. It's not fire I want you to unleash upon the foes of the kingdom of God. I want you to burn up the seed of the, it's not, none of that. I want you to go anoint. Do what? I want you to go anoint Haziel as king over Judah and anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And I want you to get this Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Mahola. And I want you to anoint him as prophet in your place. You don't get to retire. You don't get to resign. You don't get to die. You don't get to quit. But in the recommission and the small little whisper of my work behind the scenes through that person and that king and this prophet, I'll do my will. Do you believe that? We all, and I do too, have strong political views, but I think we're quite mistaken if we put our hope and trust in that. It doesn't go your way. Is God a flunk now? God's a failure? He doesn't know anything? Maybe he knows how to work in small whispers, even as he can work through earthquakes and fires and winds. But he usually works in whispers. Right here, we heard his whispering promise of baptism. Who heard this? We did. Who else? Not many. Who, who going to be reported on the nightly news, make the newspapers, going to be announced across? The, no. 
a little whisper in our ears, I'm your God, you're my people, I'm the sovereign Lord, I take care of you. I have my finger on the planet, I establish every life and uphold it in being. What's too hard for me? The whisper that is eternal life. The whisper why we can pray his promises back before his throne. The whisper why we don't have to say or dare say, I'm the only one left. The whisper that acknowledges, of course you're a flunk people. Why do you think you need the blood of Jesus? The whisper that says, no, you're not able and able to get it done, but I still have those who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. More than you think, Elijah, I work in soft whispers. If you try to live your life like this, what can I see and calculate and know? And oh, yeah, and I can orchestrate things, you know, and oh, that's not what happened on Mount Carmel. It looked hopeless, but then his posture was this. I looked to God. And after Mount Carmel, oh, it's this. What can I see and calculate? Not much. Not very accurately. And usually quite a fail. God is faithful in the face of hopeless resignation, and he sends his prophet back out there into the fray, into the fight, and tells him to get busy doing some things that are really unimpressive to us. You're going to anoint a few kings and a guy to take your place, but it's all God needs. God can do one thing in this nation and another thing in another nation and another thing in another nation, all for the point of his kingdom come, not ours. As you see, the prayer we need to learn to pray is, thy will be done, not mine. Thy kingdom come. Your kingdom, Lord, not ours. The coming of the Christ and the victory of the cause of the Christ, the healing of the nations, the earth full of the knowledge of the Lord. That's our prayer. Not let me be comfortable. Of course we want to be comfortable. Of course we don't want to be the only ones left. But God doesn't need to speak in powerful winds and earthquakes and fires when he speaks his promises and whispers and says, you're mine. Trust me. Depend on me. And so what we find here is that God is faithful in orchestrating new beginnings in the face of seeming dead ends. The way Elijah had it all figured out, it's, it's a fail. Kingdom of God is lost. I'm it. And now they're trying to kill me. And, you know, if I head back to Judah, they'll get me. And 
I might as well just die out here. I don't want to die at Jezebel's hand. God, why don't you just take my life? <laughs> you poor thing. You poor little thing. And haven't we all at one time in a spiritual trial of great disappointment, an illness, a financial problem, had our own little pity parties? Is God really loving? Is God really on our side? Does God really care? Does God really see? The devil loves to push us down, oppress us, make us question God's goodness. The devil loves to make us look to ourselves for answers instead of to him. He loves that. He loves it. He loves to see Elijah A. Wall undoing the exodus. And God sends him back to continue the conquest. He recommissions him. He orchestrates a new beginning when you don't think it's impossible. But see, that's what it looked like when Jesus was laying in a grave, too. God doesn't know what he's doing. It's all a failure. It's all, it's all, oh, it's just come to nothing. All of those miracles and his love and his teaching and he's rotting in a grave. It's all nothing. Oh, until he bursts forth. And even that is something more of a whisper compared to his birth announcement. Angels accompany it, but there isn't choirs of angels singing it forth to the city of Jerusalem. See, God speaks in whispers to faith. Faith hears what he says and walks in the gentleness of faith and the humble trust of faith and the dependency of faith. And though I can't see the solution, I can't see the way clear of faith, I walk with the one who loves me and who's faithful. Faltering faith meets the unfaltering faithful God. And that's what we see in baptism. Cling to him. Trust him. Walk with him. And, and that's what Elijah then does. With that little last part. Why is the preacher reading that too? Because that he does what he's told. That's why. He gets back up there and he does exactly what he's told. He found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. And he puts his mantle on him. And let me kiss my father and mother and I'll follow. Go back again for what have I done to you? I always want to say that to young men who want to be preachers. So you want to be a preacher. <laughs> Do you really know what you're getting yourself into here? Are you sure about that? And he offers the sacrifice and then follows Elijah and served him. Indeed, God does this work in ways we can never calculate, and he continued as brings, to bring kingdom come in ways we can't calculate. With every baptized child, 
we know they're in God's hands and their journey of faith can be so very diverse, right? For one, they might live here all their life and just always be faithful. Others might take really strange paths of disobedience and being found again. Others will go through trials that are unimaginable and come out on the other side to be servants of God we could never calculate. Just life itself is not something we can predict or see or orchestrate or commandeer and finesse and make it happen like we want. And raising a a covenant child isn't a a little uh, music box where you turn it and ding, 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 you know, and then out pops a Christian. It's not that either. We hear God's gentle whisper of love, forgiveness, and we receive it in faith and then walk falteringly, failingly, with a lot of repentance in there, pleading the grace to help us to nurture our children in the way of faith. And that, Lord, you love them more than we do. And you're able to do what we can't. And we say, your will be done, not mine. But may you be glorified. We're not the only ones left. Here we are together even now. Onward Christian soldiers, not because we're strong, because Christ is. He is faithful. Don't falter. He is faithful. Amen. Lord, strengthen us in the way of obedience to you, an obedience that trusts an obedience that is dependent, an obedience that knows your promise is to build your church. You'll never leave us or forsake us, a promise that the gates of hell shall not prevail. May we pray that prayer and walk in that faith for Jesus' sake. Amen.